It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Right now, without further ado, we're going to say that it's time for Doctor History, a segment that everybody enjoys and looks forward to, and it's brought to you by Minicasha Sales at thirteen twenty one East Main Street in Burley, right across from the airport. And the number to call Zach and the rest of the folks eight seven eight two zero nine one. All your remodeling projects with your lumber and your western windows and all the uh, uh, carpet, and of course, don't forget to here's something else for you if you've got livestock they've got all the tartar gates and panels everything you need absolutely first class minicasha sales 1321 east main street in burley and now here he is back from a week on vacation living on the beach in tahiti here's dr history good morning zeb how are you i'm great it wasn't exactly the beach of tahiti but it was the beach of henry's lake oh you were up at henry's lake i have never had the opportunity i've been by it but i've never had the opportunity to spend some time up there beautiful country uh you know we went over to virginia city nevada city out of venice there are two ghost towns that i highly recommend people take the time to go visit really yeah Uh, yeah and then over of course over to west yellowstone Uh, and and in fact i didn't know this till this year but on on every weekend i believe saturday and sunday through the summer at Nevada City, which is a ghost town, yeah. they open up the stores, the doors to all the buildings. They'll have blacksmith men and guys walking around with the period clothing on. Really? Yeah, so uh, we haven't been there during that, but I, we're going to try to make that. I have got to get out and enjoy some of that. And really, it would be kind of fun for you to be my tour guide. Yes. I'm not going to pay you, but it would be fun to have well, you as my I, tour guide. I just assumed that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about the King Ranch. Oh, my. This was uh, one of the more famous, and you said you have been there, I believe. Isn't that right? I've been on the outskirts of it and everything, but I have a very good friend, Omar Alvarez, that was born and raised on the King Ranch and knows all the intricacies of what was the history. Okay. Well, we'll get going here. Sometime in the mid-1850s, Lieutenant Colonel Robert E. Lee, the epitome of a Virginia gentleman, reportedly offered some words of wisdom to a rough-and-tumble young rancher named Richard King, Hmm. with whom he had become friendly while on uh, U.S. Army duty in Texas. Okay. He said, buy land, he said, because uh, and never sell it. 
But uh, the precept was one that King followed to the end of his days, and in so doing, he became the archetype of a new breed of businessmen on horseback who really stamped an indelible brand on the West. And if you think about that, I told you I'm reading about Charles Goodnight right now, too, and the, yep. the cattle drives, and uh, really the cattle industry was a huge, huge part of uh, settling of the Old West. You know, the thing I want to interrupt and ask you about is when you look at Goodnight and you look at the Kings and you look at so many other people in the Old West, they really hung their necks on the chopping block, didn't they? Oh, yeah. There were so many, so many ways to lose your whole herd. Yeah. yeah. So, but they were, the, these were the ranchers who uh, set up their spreads on rolling plains and uh, uplands from Texas to Montana, from Kansas to California. Now, some build empires of land and livestock that gave them powers at home and influence far beyond their domains. Now, on the other side of that coin, there's others who just barely survived, just, mm-hmm. you you know, uh, just like today, I guess, really. Yeah. But they produced uh, the beef and the mutton that Americans ate, the leather, the woolen goods uh, Americans wore, and the horses Americans rode. I mean, uh, not just cattle, but sheep and horse right. ranchers. Right. So it never was easy. The ranchers had to defend their lands and their livestock, not only against Indians, but also against rustlers, squatters, and, and each other. They also had to cope with the winters of the killing cold, the summers of the drought. Uh, market prices, just like now, went up and down, out of control. So, You know, back in those days, really 180 years ago, they were fighting for private property rights just like we are today. I mean, people came out, like you mentioned, the squatters, and they just basically thought, well, it's open land. We'll just take it. Sure. And also, oh, this cow is just wandering out here. I yeah. think I'll go ahead and butcher it yeah. or start my own herd. Yeah. So, yeah. But somehow they persevered, and in their heyday from 1866 to 1886, Western ranchers shipped more than 10 million cattle and 1 million sheep to market in the East. Oh, my. Now, that's a lot of cows. That is. They also created jobs for 40,000 cowboys and herders. They founded communities inhabited by half a million people and kept another million people busy in the East and the Midwest by processing uh, the meat as it came through. Right. So it was a huge industry. Now, if any one ranch was a blueprint for success, it was the legendary establishment in the south of Texas Prairie between the Rio Grande and the Nueces River. Nueces. Nueces River. Yep, I've been there. Okay. It was to become the world's largest stock-raising operation and the only American ranch to develop a new breed of beef cattle, the Cherry Red Santa Gertrudis. Yes. And you've seen those. Yes, beautiful, beautiful yeah. herd. But above all else, it was. It also mirrored the reflection of the extraordinary founder, none other, none other than Richard King. Mm-hmm. Now, picture this guy. I've got a picture in front of me, but and I showed you that. But he stood nearly six feet tall, broad-shouldered, muscly guy, kind of like me. You know, piercing blue eyes. Yeah, that's kind of what I was just thinking. Kind of like you, kind of like you. <laughs> kind of, and a big jaw, determined. Yeah. He, he fought with his fists as well as his uh, mind. He enjoyed both kinds of contests. Uh, ferociously ambitious. He could still uh, wait patiently for years to attain his goals. A risk-taking innovator, he was nonetheless as careful as a Boston banker. In all said, a friend uh, said, I never met a rougher man nor a better one. 
So he had a great reputation. May I ask and interrupt right here, where was he from or what was his family heritage? Where did they come from? Uh, I think I'm going to get to that. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, actually, I am right here. <laughs> Next sentence. <laughs> here we go. We're ready. He, he'd come far the hard way. The son of a poor Irish immigrant. Yeah. He escaped New York's slums as a boy of 11. So obviously he grew up in, uh, in New York, stowing away on a, ship, uh, on a ship bound for the Gulf of Mexico at 11 years old. Mm, stowed away. Can't imagine. Yeah. So he earned his pilot's license and the title of captain and enough money to go into the riverboat business with a friend. Uh-huh. So prospered uh, by ferrying goods up and down the Rio Grande from Brownsville uh, in Texas. So although already a success by most men's standards, King was restless and ready to take a stab at something else a little more risky. So 1852. Now he's 27 years old. 27. And he's a river man. He mounted a horse. Now, keep in mind, uh, he had not ridden horses. <laughs> so he got on his first horse. Uh, well, maybe not the first, but he was pretty awkward. He wasn't your typical jump on and John Wayne right away type. Uh, John Wayne wasn't that good a rider Well, that's either. true. <laughs> <laughs> so he set out with a friend on a 170-mile trip from Brownsville to Corpus Christi, uh, Texas. Wow. Now, when they got there, uh, King ran into a friend named Gideon Lewis, and he was a Texas militiaman who knew the Santa Gertrudis area. Well, a partnership evolved, and King would finance and set up a cattle camp. Now, Lewis and his militia would guard and supervise the fledgling ranch, but hardly had the enterprise begun than Lewis, a dedicated uh, womanizer, was shot to death by the husband of one of his, where he shouldn't have been. I see. And we <laughs> and won't go any further That's all that. we're going to say about yeah, him. Yeah, I betcha. He's dead. Yeah, gone. <laughs> so, anyway, it was customary for ranchers simply to occupy and use vacant lands back then. So, King went to the trouble of seeking out the heirs to an original Spanish grant on the Santa Gertrudis and purchasing their 15,000 acres for $300. 300 total dollars? 15,000 acres. Oh and a little later, my. he paid $1,800 for another 53,000 adjoining acres of prime grassland. There's a good place for me to get a commercial in there. And then I want to come back and ask you a question about that, too. Don't forget Minicash Sales with Zach and his crew. He has a phenomenal crew of people that can help you replacing and upgrading your windows with the western windows. Phenomenal people that can help you with the installation of your great carpet and, of course, all your remodeling projects, maybe fixing your roof, whatever. All you have to do is stop in and see them today. Minicash Sales, 1321 East Main in Burley, right across from the airport. Number to call for information, 878-2091. 878-2091. Minicasha Sales, bringing you Dr. History. One question, and I'm sure you've already thought about it because you're an entrepreneur and a businessman. Did you ever think back in the old days they didn't have access to the banks to hold their money? Where did they store, where did they keep, or did they transport their money with them? This must have been a little dangerous. Okay, and, and I'm going to get to that too. Really? <laughs> Believe it or and not. I hadn't read the script. <laughs> you haven't. Okay, so early in his ranching career, King hit upon a novel way of staffing his ranch. During a purchasing trip south of the Mexican border, he bought all the livestock available in a drought-stricken, poor, poor village down in Mexico. And realizing that the villagers were left without a business to sustain them, he made them an offer. 
He said if they would come and work on the King Ranch, that he would build homes for them, for the men and their women and their families. So they came, more than 100, out of this village uh, in a long, noisy caravan, riding rickety two-wheeled uh, carts and wheelbarrows. But they found the king, found King to be firm and demanding, but... Unlike a lot of the other guys, he was very kind, and he treated them fairly. I see. He was good to these people. And in turn, they gave him their their loyalty. They became really the nucleus of the King Ranch, mm-hmm. the, these Mexican people. Right, right. In fact, you mentioned a friend of yours that grew up That's right. in that group. Yep. So, Omar, if you're listening, we're talking about you. Yeah. So in 1854, when King took uh, as his bride Henrietta Chamberlain, she was a pretty daughter of a Presbyterian minister in Brownsville, and she kind of got after him because evidently uh, King had a little bit of a profane language problem. Oh, you don't say. Uh, how could that happen around cattle? I just Golly. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But Henry had a, must have been patient, and, uh, and she looked after the, the Mexican people that were there. She nursed their sick. Uh, the people came to adore this woman, and uh, they called her La Patrona. I guess the, La Patrona, La Patrona, which I'm not sure what that means. But I think it means uh, the, the mother, lady, the, mom. the mother, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I think. Yep. So anyway, a herd normally doubled in size in three years, and up to a thousand head could be tended by a single cowhand who earned perhaps twenty-five dollars a month. Really? Yeah. Beyond that, uh, mature longhorns valued in Texas at $3 a head might bring $30 at distant local markets. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, only when the day came that they could be delivered swiftly and cheaply was, was the key point here. So, you know, driving the animals to market uh, a thousand or more miles away, uh, you had the Indians, you had drought, you had uh, stampedes. That was a shaky business. And some guys lost their whole herds. And some guys lost their lives yes. because longhorns on the trail were not exactly the nicest animal yeah. to be around. Yeah. So Richard King could wait. And while biding his time, he would improve his herd. So the Texas Longhorn was hardly a nimble beast. Uh, uh, well, it was hardy and drank a little water and was really suited to the surroundings, but it didn't produce as good a beef. Yeah, that's uh, right. And I've never eaten that kind, but I can only imagine. Now, the eastern breeds, on the other hand, the eastern cattle, had trouble traveling long distances on rugged ground, more vulnerable to disease, drought, insects, and heat. So to combine the longhorn's toughness with the meatiness of the eastern breeds, King began importing the blooded Durhams to cross with his best native stock. Right. So slowly but steadily, his breeding experiments improved the quality of his stock. Yep. So during the Civil War, uh, King served the South by transporting cotton on his steamboats. Most Texas cowboys went off to fight the Yankees. They left behind them thousands of young bulls that would ordinarily have been castrated. They bred at a fearful rate, and at the war's end, the state was drowning in cattle. Six million animals oh roaming. With Roman no, free. Yeah, no place to go. Yep. Well, the Texas ranchers were saved, however, by the coming of the railroads, most notably the old Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe. Yes, sir. They wrote a song about They did that. write a song, uh, which in 1868 swung south from St. Louis and passed through the recession of prairie hamlets in southern Kansas. Abilene, Dodge City immediately became the trail's end for these big cattle drives. 
Now, Richard King shipped no fewer than 60,000 head of, uh, to the Kansas market. And he might have sold even more had it not been for an onslaught of rustlers who stole more than a million dollars worth of his stock oh before they were squelched in 1875. Oh, my. Now, they were mostly Mexican outlaws operating from hideouts south of the Rio Grande and some of their ra- raids against the hated Texans. I mean, it was, uh, it was a kind of a tough way to li- make a living. Really, but, yeah. But anyway, of his frequent trips to Brownsville, King later recalled, I had to travel fast. My life depended on it. In his ca- usual careful way, he posted expert riflemen at small relay stations built at 20-mile intervals along a 125-mile route and stocked with fresh horses. For each trip, King concealed his funds. This is what you were asking about. Yeah. Sometimes as much as $50,000 for payrolls and purchasing land. He had it in a steel safe built into his stagecoach. He rode inside with a shotgun at the ready and was escorted by half a dozen armed men. And this is with the cattle? No, I'm thinking this is just when he went back and forth to purchase cattle and and bring payroll. I see. So... Anyway, helpless against thieves, many of King's neighbors abandoned their ranches and they moved to nearby towns. But King, he held on and defied the outlaws who had vowed to hang him. In February 1875, a large force of Mexicans attacked his ranch, killed several hands, and stole a large herd of horses. Mm -hmm. Well, a month later, they did it again. The second attack. Well, finally, the state government took action by reestablishing the Texas Rangers. Right. Now, the Rangers killed bandits. They displayed their bodies in Brownsville Market as a warning, laid them there, and the Texans uh, even invaded Mexico to recover stolen cattle. That might work in New York today. (laughs) It could. Well, by the end of 1875, most of the rustlers had found safer ways to make a living. Besides, you know, you don't want to face those Texas Rangers. No. So, well, with the rustler troubles behind him and with the cattle market now booming, King, during the next several years, built up his ranch into a 600,000-acre empire by, his estimate, about $6.5 million. I can't even I can't even fathom that. Well, and if it's $6.5 million then... What is it? Would it be at least 10 times that or oh 20? Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. But yet for all his influence and despite his advancing age, Richard King remained Richard King, swapping rough jokes with his cowboys, keeping a jug of rosebud whiskey close at hand. And Good man. When it seemed advisable, using his fist to make a point. In fact, one day a big ranch hand named Kelly objected to a reprimand from King. He says, if you were not such a rich man and a captain, he declared, you wouldn't cuss me as you do. Replied King, darn you. Darn (laughs) Darn you. you. I think, have you perhaps censored some of the verbiage? I could have. I see. Darn you. Darn you. Forget the riches and the captain title and let's fight. Well, fight they did. As the story goes, for a half an hour, wrestling on the floor, the bloody floor of a ranch slaughterhouse. Then, exhausted, they shook hands in mutual admiration and walked away. Really? Anyway, darn darn him. Sometime in 1882, at age 57, King began suffering from a stabbing pain in his stomach. Uh Uh-oh. Turned out to be stomach cancer. Oh, my. So King patiently started to set his affairs in order, designating as his successor a son-in-law, and maybe you've heard this name, Robert Clark. 
Kleberg. Yes, yes, And yes. Uh, not until early 1885 could King finally be persuaded to place himself under the care of a San Antonio doctor. And that was in 1885, right? Right. Okay. So as he left his beloved ranch, uh, King uh, issued orders and uh, managers told him what to do, what not to do as a final gesture. And, and he didn't see home again? Never again would Richard King see the clear waters of the Santa Gertrudis. No kidding. Fascinating man. Oh. Fascinating man. And the lineage of the family with the Klebergs and, of course, the King Ranch itself. And many people think, oh, it was great big ranch with a lot of the Santa Gertrudis. But they had the breeding of some of the greatest horses known to oh. the United States. And that would only make sense, yeah. really, if yep. they're, because if you're going to have good cattle, you're going to have good oh, horses. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's a great story about the King Ranch. And it still is in existence today, but it has dwindled quite a bit. Yeah, I would imagine with uh, family yeah. splitting it up yeah. here, splitting it up there, just guessing. But but you got to admire, and I'm sitting here and I was fascinated with this story because of Mr. King's uh, audacity to look at everything else and say, full speed ahead, we're going to do it my way, and he was successful. Well, and again, uh, see, now compared to Goodnight, Goodnight was moving cattle all during this time, losing them, yeah. having them stolen by yeah. the Indians or killed and run, and all this. But King had the foresight to just hang on, let his herd grow until things were better. Right, right. And, and then he made quite a fortune, I think. You know, there has uh, been so many people in the Old West like uh, Chisholm and, and Goodnight and King and the list goes on and on that if it hadn't have been for them... And what they did, you and I might not be sitting here today. Well, and I have mentioned quite a while ago that they used to drive cattle right through here, right past us That's on right. the Snake River, That's right. over to the Owyhee country. Yep. Yep. And at one time, I'm not, I think it was before the King, uh, the largest cattle ranch in the world was over in the Owyhee area. That's right. That's right. So. You did it again. You hit a home run right out of the park. Well, thank you. I, I enjoyed that story. Yeah. I love to hear success stories about... And really, he didn't have anybody uh, to imitate or emulate. He was kind of his own man, wasn't he? He really was. Yeah. Let me show you this family gathering picture. Okay. Family gathering picture. Looks like a... All Sunday dinner or something. Uh, Sunday afternoon, and uh, some of the women, because of the way they live, not very much makeup, uh, but they always look so stern, didn't they? They do, and I think part of it is because the picture had to be taken like a time lapse, and you weren't supposed to move. Yeah, and I'm assuming, is that Mr. King here on this end? I'm not sure. I didn't okay. that. We have a quick call. I've only got a minute left. Fast caller, go ahead. Yes. Uh, when we worked for Adams Cattle Company, who had the XIT branch in Kansas in the 50s, we had a stud from the King Ranch, and he was the most beautiful horse I think I've ever seen. Aha! There you go, sir. I know who this is, and I respect your call. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, we got a, what? You got another picture to show me, or what? Oh, okay. That's it. What's that book from? Uh, the title of that book, by the way, that is the Old West, and it uh, really from Time Life Books, and they do a great job, don't yeah, they? Yeah, I've taken several stories out yeah. of this. That's yeah. good information. What are we going to talk about next week? I know you're prepared. <laughs> you know how well prepared I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah. know next Sunday or Monday. <laughs> okay, Doctor Ken Turner, my dear, dear friend, better known as Doctor. History.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.